You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Amen. Amen. Please do uh, take your seats. Thank you so much, Banda. Just amazing passion you've brought in leading us this morning, uh, which is wonderful. Such a privilege, you know, to come and be led by people leading with that kind of passion. That is helpful that we don't take that for granted. So yeah, let's show our appreciation. Let me add my welcome to you this morning, whether you are a regular here or whether you're new, whether you're joining us online, we are delighted to join with you and worship today. And it's my pleasure and privilege to bring us week two of this series, Set Apart. Martin brought us part one last week with his message, Once But Now focused in those verses from 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. I'm not going to repeat all that he said this morning, but you can catch up on YouTube or the podcast through the website if you haven't heard that. But the key message from those verses from 1 Peter 2 is that what you once were is not what you are now. That through Christ and in God, we have been changed. He has changed who we are, how we are, what we are. And he, the, the verses, the words in that verse is that we have been made into a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that we may declare the praises of him who called us. He has made us, that's all of us, and you joining us online, into a people who can declare something, who can signpost something to others of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. This scripture that we came to last week, this really answers many of the key questions that people are asking about belonging and identity and purpose. They are found here and answered in Christ. You've been changed. There was a once, but now things are different. Everything is different, and we are called to be signposts to God, a set-apart people, a holy people. Set-apart, this word, we often translate it holy. It comes from a New Testament Greek word, hagios. I think it's probably going to come up on the screen. The word hagios, it means holy, consecrated, acceptable to God, sacred, devoted, or separate. Because you see, we are called to be a different people, a people who do declare God's praise, who signpost others to Him. We are called to be some, a people who take something of the aroma of God, if you like, the fragrance, the smell, the scent of God to those around us. And so this week's title, if you're a person who likes a title, is Set Apart a Different Scent. A different scent, that's S-C-E-N-T, it's not a typo. Now last week, we were rooted in the words 1 Peter, from 1 Peter 2, the words of the apostle Peter. But this idea of being set apart, it comes again and again through scripture. It's there in the Old Testament, it's there through all of the apostles' writings, and we're going to visit some of those this morning. So come with me, if you will, to one of the Apostle Paul's writings, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. They're going to come up on the screen, but this is what he says. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ 
among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Okay, God is using us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. He says to, to God, we are the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We are the smell, we are the aroma, we are the scent of God. We are the smell to those around us that they associate with God. What a challenging thought. Now the sense of smell is a really important smell, right? It's powerful. We probably all have some things that we love the smell of and some things that we hate the smell of. And smell is the sense that is most closely linked to memory. So I need you to do something for me. I need you to do this if you're at home as well. I want you to call to mind the last time you were somewhere where something smelled really, really terrible. I'm not going to keep you there long, but come with me. So I want you to bring it to mind. It, uh, you know, it might have been somewhere where you were. It might have been the bins left on your street, because we've got a bit of an issue with that at the moment, haven't we, in Coventry. Maybe it was someone next to you on the bus. No names, no names. Just remember, just think about it. Okay, when you've called something to mind, just give me a wave so I know that you're with me. Okay, there's a few more. Call something to mind. When was the last time? Was it someone in school? Was it someone sitting next to you? Remember the, the time when you smelt something terrible. Now, I want you to think, in that instance, how did that smell make you feel? Yeah, there's a few noises. Oh, how did it make you feel? Did you want to stay in that place? No. Okay, we're all agreed on that. Did you want something more from the place where you were? If it was a shop, did you want to buy something there? No, you just wanted to get out. If you were next to someone, you didn't want to know anything more about them. You just wanted distance from them. Am I right? Yeah. When something smells bad, we want to get away from it. And I think often it's because the smell when something is bad, it's because at the root of it, there's waste or rubbish or something rotten or decaying or not properly clean in some way. I don't know if you notice that when there's a bad smell, you can try and cover it up. Air freshener, Febreze, perfume, you can spray what you like on it, but the bad smell always comes through until you actually remove the rotten thing, until you actually remove what is dirty or unclean. The smell comes through. Now, of course, there are lovely smells too. I'm not going to leave you in that place of remembering. Um, I wonder, would somebody be willing even to shout out a lovely smell? Vanilla, lavender, fresh bread, sorry, another one over here, white musk, particular, we're getting specific now, let's not go down the line like particular fragrances, I was thinking more general, but it's, thank you, thank you, anything else, fresh donuts, coffee, brilliant, there are some things that are beautiful smells, and you feel better already, don't you, just because we've talked about some nice smells after thinking about bad smells, it's quite therapeutic. Here's a top 10 well-loved smells. Freshly baked bread, bacon, freshly cut grass, mm. coffee, cakes baking in the oven, the seaside, freshly washed clothes, after it rains, in the summer mainly, vanilla, fresh flowers, wow. Well, life feels better just thinking about those things. You know, many of those things, the things that smell lovely, they have to do with things being clean and fresh. 
And how do those things impact us? How does the smell of those things impact us? When you smell that, when you smell coffee or vanilla or white musk or whatever it is, when we smell a smell that is pleasing, it makes us want to stay there. It makes us want to linger. Often it makes us want to engage more. Why do people wear a perfume, white musk? It's because they want people to smell it and think, I like that. I'll move towards that. That's not the message. But it's, it makes us want to pursue, want to experience. Shops, uh, kind of, they bake bread in their shops just to make you come in and want more because you're more likely to buy and spend money when there's a beautiful smell in the store. You see, a good smell draws us in to further engagement. Now, I need to apologize to some people here because I know there are some people who will have found this whole conversation difficult because you had COVID and you lost your sense of smell and you still don't have it back. And I pray that from today, actually, that will be restored. But there's a reality, you know, during COVID, we have become familiar with this term, anosmia. Maybe you haven't, maybe you've just heard the absence or loss of sense of smell. There has been so much talk about this in the, in the last two years. Now, whilst anosmia doesn't seem too bad while the bin men are on strike, perhaps that's a good time to have it. Actually, if you can't taste what you're eating, if you can't smell the coffee or the bread or the cakes, it's a pretty unpleasant thing to live with. And Perhaps most disconcertingly is when you can't smell is you don't know how you smell. And you don't know the impact you might be having on other people. You don't know, do I smell all right today? You don't know, you're wondering, am I, am I all right? Am I impacting the room? Am I impacting other people? We don't know if we smell good. In fact, I've got a very strong sense of smell and I'm saying the room smells good this morning. So I'm just saying, why don't you turn to the person next to you, give them a thumbs up, say you're smelling good this morning. It's okay. If you're at home, I can't smell you, but I'm sure you're smelling great. Here's the thing. COVID has caused some people to actually literally lose their sense of smell. But I wonder if for us as a church, through some of the challenges of the last couple of years, through not being able to meet at times, through a loss of community, through some of just the difficulty, I wonder if some of us have lost our sensitivity to the fragrance of Jesus Christ, to the smell, if you like, of his holiness, of his separateness, the smell that comes from what is truly clean and fresh and good and true and morally pure. And that maybe in losing a sensitivity to his fragrance, we might also have lost a sensitivity to how we smell to those around us and what the aroma of our lives has become. I'm not sure if we maybe even know if what we're taking into the world is the aroma of Jesus, the different scent that we're called to carry. But friends, we are called to be set apart. We're called to be a holy people, to carry a different aroma as Christ calls it, as Paul calls it. So we're just going to look this morning at two different scriptures to help us unpack this a little more. We're going to go to Romans 12 and 1 John 2. Listening now to some more words from the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, 
brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Maybe familiar verses to some of us. You know, if we want to understand this verse, we have to take note of the first word, therefore. And it's an important verse because it links to the previous 11 chapters of Romans, which are somewhat glorious. If you have never read the book of Romans, then I would recommend you do so because it unpacks and journeys through what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Some of what we have called to mind this morning through some of how Darius led us. Because Romans 1 and 2, they outline mankind's collective brokenness, his lostness. It explains the predicament we were in of facing the wrath, the judgment of God, that because of our rebellion, we were doomed to face his judgment. Romans 3, 23, some of, this, some of these verses might be familiar. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Paul outlines where we were, what we once were, how desperate the situation was. But thankfully, he doesn't stay there because he also goes on to talk about the rescue and the redemption of Jesus. So Romans 23 doesn't end with all having sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says, and they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Romans 6, 23, it doesn't uh, finish just by saying the wages of sin are death. It goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We were lost, but everything has been rescued. Everything has been redeemed in Jesus Christ. It's another, another way really of saying there's a once, but now. And the book of Romans continues on. It talks about the wonder of being saved by faith and not by what we've done. It talks about the wrestle that some of us still face, all of us still face in life between our desire to do good and the sinful nature. And then we land at the wonderful truths of Romans 8. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 8:32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? as a verse for every day and every situation. And just a few verses later, Romans 8, 38, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is unpacking for us the glorious salvation that we have been bought. Romans 10 tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Romans 11 closes out with a doxology, these words of praise, where Paul says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has ever been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Chapter 12, therefore. Therefore. Because of all of that. Because of where we were and because of what Christ has done. Because of the awesome promises. Because of the glorious salvation. Because of who God is and what he is like. Therefore. 
Therefore, in view of God's mercy, Paul says, in view of God's mercy, he's calling out a response from God's people, from those who are saved by grace through faith, saved those who know they cannot earn salvation, those who know they've been the recipients of extravagant mercy that they could never have earned or deserved. He says, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And he goes on in that chapter to speak about us finding our place of belonging and service in the body of Christ. Don't be conformed but be transformed. Don't just be the same as the world. Be different. You can smell different. You can carry a different scent. The Apostle John makes a similar point. 1 John 2, 15 to 17, he says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Both of these scriptures, they're calling us to come out from the cultural mold that would shape us and to be different, different to what is around us, to be holy, to be set apart, to carry a different scent. I think many of us who are Christians, we know that we should do this and yet we find this difficult. It challenges us because there is a mold that's shaping us. There are pressures around us. Sometimes we can be so conscious because we don't feel holy. It can feel like we're aiming for something that's maybe unattainable. But you know, holiness is not just something that I have to struggle to attain. Holiness is something we've been called to and given. We're called a holy nation. We've been made a righteous people, but then we are called to live in it and to line our lives up with it. But we can struggle to believe this and get our heads around it. Sometimes we do really love the world. In the words of John, we're pursuing the things of this world, the things that please our eyes and the desires of our flesh. We hunger for them, we flirt for them, we pursue them. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, passions, possessions, position, are so often still what grip and motivate our hearts. And so many of the things that we engage with, other people, things on social media, most Netflix box sets, they feed those things, they feed those desires, those hungers, and it's hard to live differently. For some of us, we struggle to live differently because we're not really connected with other people who are trying to live that way. And it's not impossible to do this on our own, but it's difficult. We need one another. For some of us, we just haven't grasped what God has done for us. We can't come and say, well, in view of God's mercy, because we haven't really grasped, or maybe we've forgotten the mercy that God has shown us the kindness, the grace with which he has come and drawn us and that he's given everything for us. Perhaps we've not grasped that we are sons and daughters. He's given everything that he could for us. 
Perhaps we've not really engaged with the Bible and we don't even really know what sort of life God is calling us to, what it looks like to be set apart, what God really says about marriage or purity or greed or selfishness or sexuality or anything else. And so we conform and we blend in because we don't know a different way. Maybe there's other reasons that are specific to you. I know probably for many of us, the challenges of the last two years have also knocked us off, maybe in how we were doing with some of this. I'm conscious particularly, we've needed to focus on our well-being, many of us, and that's not wrong. In fact, in some ways, some of the focus on well-being has been a good redressing of what may have previously been an unhealthy balance. And yet, we need to be careful that we don't now just find ourselves in an extremely self-protective self-centered position. We should attend to our own well-being, but we must be wary of an unhealthy focus on self. Because friends, the stakes are high. We may not feel like we want to be witnesses. We may not feel like we are witnesses. But as Martin reminded us last week, whether we like it or not, we are witnesses. Whether we like it or not, the smell that comes from our life for the people around us who know that we're Christians, they think that's what God smells like because they don't have anything else to go on. The scent of our lives is what the people around us associate with God. So what should we do? How can we move on from this place? It's so important that we don't hear this message and just think, I must try harder. I must push deeper. I must uh, do better at this. This will make us better at legalism, but that isn't the smell of God either. Don't just push harder and strive to change the behaviors. If we just seek to change the external behaviors, we may make some progress. But it's not necessarily the main change that these scriptures are pointing to. Some of what gets mentioned in these two different scriptures, actions, offering our bodies as living sacrifices. This is about actions, this is about what we're doing. It's also talking about dealing with our thoughts, renewing our minds, leading to transformation, attending to what is in our thoughts. And then also, John's verses, they talk about what we love, the affections of our hearts, the desires, our drives. If we simply look at the externals of our actions, we probably will fail in living set apart. The, the process, if you like, the pattern for us doing this is gonna involve us engaging the affections of our hearts, the thoughts of our minds, as well as the integrity of our actions. Let me say those again. It relates to the affections of our hearts and the thoughts in our minds and the integrity of our actions. And in a moment, I'm gonna to come just to five practical pointers to help us to move forward in some of how we live that isn't just us pushing harder. Because you know, we can't do this by ourselves. I can't do this by myself. I couldn't sort out my own righteousness for salvation, and I can't sort out my own righteousness for being set apart. Yet I need to be engaged in the process. It's gonna require my will. It's gonna require me to, to work with God on this, but I can't do it by myself. I cannot carry the smell, the scent of God and of heaven by trying harder. You know, the pattern of Christian living, it's based, it's rooted in faith and in repentance, and it comes through grace. 
That's how we began, and it's how we must continue. It's how we entered in, and it's how we can be set apart. So number one here, we must open up the affection of our hearts. That means talking to God about what is going on in our hearts. What is it that we love? What is it that we desire? Opening those things up, opening up the thoughts of our minds and the integrity of our actions, opening them up to both the scrutiny and the assistance of Holy Spirit. Open them up. Talk to him. When we think of the affections of our heart, what are some of the things that I love and that I pursue that are of this world? What are some of the things that I desire that actually feed my sinful nature and not my spirit? Are there passions? Are there possessions? Are there positions that we desire or drive after? Are there things that we desire in our hearts and that keep uh, driving what we pursue? Are there things in the world that we love more than we love God? You know, anything that is more important to us than God has, in fact, become a God. To deal with that, we must begin with repentance. You know, repentance, it feels like a big and a scary word, but really repentance is just saying, Lord, I don't know how to deal with this, and I'm sorry that I'm here. Would you please help me get out of here? Repentance is the doorway to grace. Wherever we find that we're not set apart, we must repent. This is number two. Repent. Let repentance be a part of our lives. Whenever we find that we're not living as we wanted to or something in the smell of our lives is not how we want it to be or it's not like Jesus, repent. He isn't waiting to judge you. He's waiting to help you. He's waiting for you to open that thing up to him that he might come in and forgive you and cleanse you and help you to be different and to walk different. I mean, we must repent. I know repentance takes humility. I know it means we have to stop justifying why our behavior or our thoughts is excusable. And we don't like to do that, but it's life-giving and it releases us into the grace of God. And then we can ask him instead to fill us with a love and a passion for him. We can ask him to help us to do the thing we know that he wants us to do and that we want to do, but that we can find so difficult. We must attend to the thoughts that are in our minds. Are they true? Sometimes I find things going around my head, they're not true, they're not founded anything, and I would be embarrassed to say them out loud because they would sound ridiculous, but I let them go around my head. I'm learning more and more not to do that. But I have to think about what's going on in my head. Does it line up with God's values? Does it line up with his word? Would we say it's obedient to Christ? Because we get transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, much of our unholy living comes from our unholy thinking. When our thinking is unredeemed and untrue, then it just overflows in unholy living. When we don't think right about our own identity, our own value, or the preciousness of other people around us, whether we love them or like them or not, or whether we struggle to be civil to them, God still has something to say about their worth, their dignity, their honor. God has some things to say about himself, about his faithfulness to you, about his promises to you, about what he's uh, 
always going to do for you. But sometimes we don't hold to those things. We have other things in our head as well, which means we compromise. We don't think God will be enough and that I can depend on him. And so sometimes then we pursue the things that everyone else is pursuing to satisfy our souls. Because the things in our head are not true. Our conformed living is the overflow of our untrue thinking. It's why we get transformed by the renewing of our minds. So number three up here, seek to deal with the lies in our thinking. It takes a bit of work. It's going to take a bit of reflecting. Work out what are the patterns in your thinking and how are you going to change them and what is truth. But this is the root to transformation. And then, of course, we must consider the integrity of our actions, the things we actually do. We may have some specific behaviors that we need to address. The New Testament mentions many. Outbursts of anger, rage, maybe violence, expressions of greed or selfishness, sexual immorality, that's any sexual activity outside of a biblical context of marriage. Drunkenness, slander, gossiping, envy. These are just some of what gets mentioned. And if we look at all the lists in the New Testament, every one of us will have something we need to attend to. Do you know that you can speak to God about these things when you're wrestling with them? He already knows it's in your life. So we can come to him and say, Lord, I'm in a mess over this. Or in a moment when you're tempted or you're about to do something stupid or in the middle of doing something stupid, you can even go to him and say, God, I know I shouldn't be here. I need you to help me. He's not waiting to judge you. He's waiting to help you. But sometimes he's waiting for us to invite him in. We need to talk to him about it, but we may also need to talk to someone else about it. A trusted Christian friend, number four, you may need to find accountability with a trusted Christian friend, as well as repenting before God, so we've got some help to move forward. You know, for most of our truths, for most of our issues, sorry, if we deal with the thoughts and the issues of our hearts, the affections that are there, the patterns in our thinking, then what happens in our actions will be much easier to deal with. We'll be able to live differently, carry a different scent. I want to just talk briefly about one particular area. I know there's many different areas that may, have a, may be ingrained in us that we need some help to move on from, but I'm aware that in a digitally addicted culture, pornography and its widespread acceptance is increasingly problematic for both men and for women. And it can be really difficult, particularly in a, uh, a church context, perhaps, to tell someone to, uh, to tell someone it's something that you're struggling with or to ask for help for. I just want to say, this is an area that you can tell someone that you need help in. You can tell someone at church, you can tell a trusted Christian friend, because Christians are not immune from the temptation and the pressures of the culture we live in and the presence and the ubiquitous nature of pornography. But you can get free of it, but you will probably need some accountability. That just means someone 
to talk to and to help you. You should tell a trusted friend, but there is also a brilliant online resource that can help you that I want to tell you about. It is called thenakedtruthproject.com, and you can go on. Their resources are online. They are confidential, and they will help you to understand better why you're doing the things you're doing and to get free. What they do is based on expert research. It's thenakedtruthproject.com. I just feel it's important for us to uh, put some tools out there to help, particularly in some specific areas. I'm almost there. The key thing here is that we're pursuing lives that have a different sense. We're pursuing lives that are not out of us driving to self-righteousness, but actually that show the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, it tells us our love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know, if we lived like this, we would carry the aroma of Jesus, right? I'm aware that there are people around our lives that if we start talking about Jesus, they may not like the smell of that, yeah? That might get a response from them, that they may not want to be around that, but they will never want to walk away from our love, from our joy, from the peace or the patience or the gentleness or the faithfulness or the self-control that overflows out of our lives because this is the smell of what's clean and fresh and morally good and it's the smell of Jesus and every human soul desires it. So number five, walk each day with Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are not things for us to strive after. They are fruit that grow when we walk with him, when we let him talk to us about what's going on in our lives and when we talk to him and we keep moving forward. Of course, the word of God is an important tool. Of course, community, uh, whether that's in life groups or somewhere else, is important to this journey. But there are five pointers for how we can move forward in being set apart. I'm gonna invite the band to come. Friends, we're called to be set apart. We're called to carry a different scent. Maybe it begins for every one of us in acknowledging where change might be needed, areas where we might need help. We all need help somewhere. And as I come to conclude this morning, I want to invite us to bring our lives afresh as an offering. Of course, there's actions here for the week ahead, the weeks ahead, but also in these moments now that we might make a response to God. In a moment, the band, they're gonna lead us in a song that will help and facilitate a response, but I wanna encourage you first, perhaps to bring yourself to God right now. You might wanna stand, you might wanna kneel. I'm conscious, maybe some people might want to come out and come to the front, just as, as saying, Lord, I, I want to be set apart. I wanna live different. You know, this front bit of church, it's been pretty empty these last two years and it needs to start being populated again. As we start to move ourselves again to respond to God, something happens when we physically respond. And if you need to push past someone in your row, they won't mind at all if you're going to the front to respond. Some of us need to get out of our seats. Some of us need to stand. Some of us should kneel as we bring ourselves as an offering today. 
But our prayer today might be, Lord, would you cleanse me? Would you refine me? Work in me. Search me and know my heart. Friends, in view of God's mercy, as a response to his kindness and his love lavished on you, because of what we once were but now have become through Christ, let us respond to him that we might carry a different scent, the aroma of Christ into the world. words of Romans 12 in the, in the message say, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Take your life, place it before God as an offering. Father, we thank you for your mercy, the vastness of your mercy. We thank you for your kindness and your grace and your love lavished upon us. We thank you for the completeness of your redemption and your rescue and the richness of your promises and your word. And we say thank you. And we say sorry, Father, for the battle in our hearts and lives to be truly set apart. We're sorry where our affections, where our thoughts and where our actions are more connected to this world than to your spirit. We're sorry, Lord. Please, would you help us? We thank you for your spirit given to us and we pray that you'd help us to lean in and to partner with him bring our lives today as an offering. Lord, would you set us apart afresh? Cleanse us from our sin. Fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh. And help us to carry a different scent. Wherever we go, whoever we rub shoulders with, we would carry something more of your aroma and your scent to a dying world would bring it life and would show it Jesus. We pray in your beautiful name.